Hello everybody and welcome to Volume 2, Issue 67 of the Cane and Rinse Podcast. Released in June 2012 for 360, PS3 and PC, Jaeger Development's Spec Ops The Line is a third-person military shooter set in a troubled Middle East where you play as a highly skilled US Delta Squad operative sent to yada yada yada. But is there more to it than that? Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, Tony Atkins. Hello. Uh, this is the first time Tony and I have done a podcast together for some time. Like three months, something like that. Christmas crackers. Joshua Garrity. Hello there. And special guest, David Elmo Turner. Somebody's poisoned the water hole. <laughs> so, so try, so try not to use the water hole because it's not in any fit shape. Use Evian, if anything. There's a snake in your boot. <laughs> That's a proper snake <laughs> in my boot. David Turner. Um, now it is possible Sorry. because of the way the way the way we uh, the way we operate here. Um, in the old days, it was like everyone who listened to this podcast listened to that podcast. But I think we've probably got some listeners who might not know about uh, the Joy Pods. So um, happy six year anniversary! Thank you. It's good to be around doing the same old shit for six years. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's mental, isn't it's, it? I mean, it's, it's been changed. It has changed. You've changed. It has changed, and uh, I've I miss Uzi. If anything, <laughs> back Uzi. You fucker. Um. <laughs> Sorry, that's that's a really old. If anyone was into like if the, if the four of you that were into podcasting back then uh, follow <laughs> are still listening, then you would have got that joke. For everyone else, uh, it was just noise. But, um, he's uh, he's zinging me off. Um, zinging you off. Yeah, I was going to do something similar uh, about something, some gag about how, you know, the good thing about Joypod these days is that, as well as David and Michael, they've got some people on there who actually know what they're talking about. <laughs> I know David would have just said, yeah, it's true. So anyway, Joypod presented by Spong.com. You can find it there. You're up to like 60 something again for about the third time. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we got, we keep, we've never quite hit 100 in any series yet, but, we're, but I think we're determined to make it this time. Uh, yes, yeah, so go check us out there if you want to listen to the same old crap. Anyway, yes, it's uh, it's exactly like Kana Rinse, only not boring. It's It's got levity and uh, humour. So, uh, let's talk about our own histories with uh, the Spec Ops Align. Obviously, it's not it's not an old game, but just in terms of, did you play it when it came out? Did you pay full price for it? Did you rent it? Um, and do you have any history with the Spec Ops, which I understand possibly is short for either Specialist Operatives or Special Operations? I don't even know. No. Um, not being a military person. Uh, but, uh, David, when did you play the line and have you ever spec opt before <laughs> i've not spec opt before um i in fact actually it was only today that i realized that there was a series of games called spec ops beforehand i thought they'd nicked the name from call of duty modern warfare spec op mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. i think i think mode. spec ops are a real thing no. in, America, in, are they? in the military they are. yeah they are yeah yeah wow <laughs> no, <I'm joking laughs> <not>. <laughs> mind blown <laughs> yeah no um 
no. Uh, so the, the the game came out, and I had no, absolutely no interest in it. it it looks as as like the word that's going to be used, I'm sure, a lot on this podcast. Look very generic, and hmm. um, and I was kind of done with these types of games. Um, and then I heard rumblings about it being a little bit special, but I, um, which I I kind of regret. I wish, looking back on it, I wish I did play it as soon as it came out because I wouldn't have had any indication that this was anything different. And I think that the effects of the game would have stayed with me a little bit uh, longer. Um, but no, I, I I waited. I'd heard that it was one to look out for. I stuck it on a love film list and forgot all about it. Um, and then mm. one week, love film sent it out to me, and I stuck it in. And uh, yeah, I I was kind of blown away a little bit. Mm. Josh, what about you? Um, I've never played any of the other Spec Ops games. Um, I was aware of this game um, on the run-up to release. I'd heard a lot about it, especially about the sand tech. They kind of made a big deal about the sand tech in the advertising. But nothing about the storyline or anything like that seemed to appeal to me. Um, And then reviews came out, and they were all kind of middling, like Mm -hmm. sevens and stuff like that. So I kind of decided, well, I clearly don't need to play this game. Mm. But then the conversations about this game started springing up all across the internet. Um, Like Extra Credits did the the video series on it, and loads and loads of podcasts were talking about it, saying, yeah, okay, the game's a bit mediocre, but man, the story's worth playing it for. And so I picked it up on sale on I think it was Steam, maybe it wasn't Steam it was cheap on the PC somewhere and um, and played through it in basically two days and was really shocked about uh, with what they managed to deliver mm. Tony Spec Ops um, and you yeah, well, I haven't played any originals so I'm interested looking 15 year old series yeah apparently Rockstar were developing a title in a series at some point and was cancelled bizarre but um yeah i mean I'd, I'd heard about this game for quite a while i mean they first announced it back in 2009 and uh, like mm. josh said there's there was a lot of um talk about the sand tech so the environment yeah. playing a, a huge part of what you were doing and the trailers back in 2009 looked very very impressive mm. um but then you know it seemingly got cancelled at one point there was a lot of talk on other podcasts about oh you know, that seems to have just gone off the the release schedule, and all of a sudden it's back, and uh, you know, going to be coming out very soon. So, I didn't play it upon release, but I played it about a month ago for this show. Uh, but saying that, I had then all the the hype and anticipation of a game that had been talked about a lot within the media at that point. So, I came to it with probably fairly lofty expectations because they had, you know, been installed into me a little bit. Yeah, I think uh, I, it was one, again, I made the same mistake as, well, it's debatable whether it's a mistake, but uh, I had the same assumptions about the game as, as many other people based on the name, the cover, uh, the pre-release stuff. Um, and it was people like David and Josh here sort of saying, oh, no, actually, you might want to play this. Um, just, you know, even if you just play it through once on easy and just rent it, it's worth seeing. Um, and, yeah, so I, it, it, was, uh, it was a love film rental for me just the other week. Uh, and I actually ended up playing quite a few of the chapters more than once um, to sort of where you learn certain things and then it's interesting to go back Um, this is a very fine point to insert a big red spoiler warning uh, for this is a game that can most definitely be spoiled Uh, I was interested uh, listening to a conversation you guys had on Joypod uh, David about spoilers uh, recently because I, I think 
I think you're absolutely right. I think like we spoil everything on cane and rinse and yeah. people are too precious about it. We've never had a complaint about spoiling anything, even on the shows where we've forgotten to give out a warning. But um, like you were saying about Spec Ops the line that you'd have preferred to go in with as little uh, knowledge as possible. Yeah. Um, and I think I think it does serve this well. Now it's debatable with with things that uh, it, it was Sean, wasn't it, talking about. F- poor writing can rely on a big twist or a big reveal mm. um, and in the case of certain M. Night Shyamalan films that are just not worth watching twice you know, <laughs> or, or certainly more than twice because that is all they are they are just a an act of sleight of hand but maybe some other things that have a big a big reveal like that actually have layers of depth and stuff so we'll, we'll see if we can work out whether this is something that is worth revisiting or indeed, if it's worth playing, if you know what's coming. Um, so it's your choice, listener. You can either piss off now and uh, and play it, or you can stick with us. Or you may have already played it. So uh, the lead designer of the game is Corey Davis. Um, and so Jaeger, I don't really know much about Jaeger, the developer. Uh, does anybody? <laughs> it's the first time I've heard of them, to yeah. be honest. I don't know much about the history, but um, I was interested to hear how uh, the game was, you know, what they were told to do, uh, mm. what their brief was. Did, did yeah. you listen? Did you hear that? Yeah, the, I, I listened to the, uh, there's, uh, we'll plug it now, there's a, there's a, an excellent uh, GameSpot podcast, uh, Game GameSpot Gameplay Special Edition Spoiler Cast, Spec Ops The Line, if you Google that. Uh, you'll find a very interesting interview with the main writer on the game, uh, Walt Williams. Carry mm. on, Corey, David. I saying that Corey Davis did do the rounds upon the game's release. He was very heavily promoting it. He was on uh, like Weekend Confirmed. He was on, I believe, it was on Giant Bomb as well. I mean, there's lots of different places he, his name popped up. So I think they were keen to uh, obviously sort of get out that this wasn't just the, the, you know don't judge this game by its cover mm. sort of thing but uh, yeah David you were saying yeah, the, about the, the, the the funny thing was the briefing that the team got where, when they started development was simply um, military squad based shooter mm. uh, set in Dubai that was it so yeah. it didn't really it, it had uh, no uh, it, it, it didn't ask the team to be clever with the, the story it didn't um, it didn't suggest anything other than it being a, a military squad-based shooter set in Dubai, and um, I love that. I love hearing that because it's as if the the development team were all sitting around, and that they uh, gave the brief to them, and they all sort of giggled to themselves and thought, "Let's muck about with this." <laughs> you mm. know what I mean? Let's let's um, let's seem to work on exactly what they're asking of us, um, and then have this incredible story. Uh, underneath it, um, hidden away, and uh, yeah, I, I I love the fact that 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 was the brief, and this is what came out of it. I think it's interesting that the executives actually allowed them to get away with it, because if I imagine if you'd shown an executive some of the stuff that happens later on in that game, they'd say, "No, we're not releasing it." You know, this game's cancelled, but they managed mm. to get it through the um, you know. Well, I mean, two K are pretty pretty open. You know, they they have to handle uh, obviously Rockstar games, which you know, whatever Spec Ops is, there's there's plenty more that Rockstar will throw at them, which are a lot more controversial than what this turns out to be. But I mean, I I think actually listening to that, David, 
I, I think that's actually clear through the protracted development that this game had because it, it was around for a number of you know a, a couple of years I believe it was in development be, you know before it was um, shown off to the press and back in 2009 when it was originally shown off they were rumblings about there there's something a bit more intense about this it's not just your average military shooter but there was more ideas such as you know there would be somebody on top of a a pane of glass that you could shoot off and and let them be sucked down into the cavity of the building or um, there could be water up there and you have the ability to give them water or not give them water um, they'd yeah, seem oh, to that's be... that, I mean that's exactly that I mean I, I, what I heard or what I thought I knew about this game going in um, was that it was it was a moral choice game mm-hmm. and I thought oh a moral choice game in a in a setting of, as a military sh- shooter that that'd be interesting um, and it wasn't that at all um, and it, so even though I thought I knew what I was getting into um, I was completely wrong uh, it was completely different I do wonder how much this was actually a fully formed normal military shooter before they actually did say do you know what this just isn't working you know we'd, we'd seen other people go up against Call of Duty mm. you know they've been trounced within the market we need a different angle as much as Corey's been out there and, and talked quite heavily about you know how they, they took this inspiration with the writing and stuff and, and pushed it through I do yeah. think that this game actually was a fully functioning game at some point and they just said look we can't release this into the market it's just going to be trounced what can we do beyond that and I think that's when the inspiration comes to, to try something on top of the, the original game I can't agree with that. I'd, I'd say I, I think, although that was the original, the, the, you know, the original briefing uh, was so simple. I think they had the idea of what they were basing the game on and what what story they wanted to tell right from the start. Because if this was a fully formed game that they've just added layers of of um, uh, narrative to, I, I think that would be pretty exposed. I think you would be able to spot how obvious it is. Whereas some of the design decisions. Um, seem completely right for the narrative. Like it seems like it was built from the ground up to tell this story. Um, so I, yeah, I don't think that they. I, I, I refuse to believe that they created this game and thought, "Oh, this is average. Let's do something with it." I think it was built from the ground up with this with this uh, uh, narrative in mind. I I agree with you because it's mm. so hard to actually insert a narrative into a game after the game's completely finished. You only have to look at some really bad examples of first person shooters that clearly you know packed in the narrative at the last minute. Oh, the, we need to do the word bits now. Um, okay, somebody get get on that. That's how it happened but, in the old days. No, yeah, I don't. Yeah. Th- but bear in mind. It, it, we're talking from 2009 to 2012, so they've got three years. Although I, I feel like there's plenty of game there, and then they've added scenes to make it into a hook. Now, I think I think you're all right. I think they probably got so far as to build the functional third-person shooter mechanics, but not much further. But then at that point was was when they started to integrate the narrative. Um, so, yeah, I think I think. I think that's. I think both ideas are probably sound. But we will get more into that in a minute. So. Yeah, I mean, let's let's talk on a very surface level first and get that stuff out of the way. Um, like uh, the environments, I th- you know, I, I'm playing this on the. I played the 360 version. Um, it's Unreal Engine 3. Uh, it looks pretty damn nice. I think, like, not sort of mind mind bogglingly stunning, but I think there's some really good environments. I think Dubai looks fantastic. Mm. There are some points in the game when you're really high up on a skyscraper and you just get a um to look over 
all these buildings sinking into the sand and it's really powerful uh visual um but yeah i did think like the human faces in it were a bit rubbish yeah the character models are pretty average uh the soldiers that you fight but but uh, yeah i think the environments stand out not only just in terms of the way they're drawn obviously that you know it says this is a a fictional modern day uh, dubai which is not currently a war zone in real life where uh, terrorists (laughs) uh, there is terrorist trouble and the americans have been of course sent in to sort it out whatever uh it's uh, it's an oil rich area and uh, so fighting uh, happens in and out of um, these extremely uh, opulent buildings and aquariums, memorably. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, there's there's a lot of sort of uh, dark and twisted graffiti and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think the environments are memorable, if not yeah, if not the the characters, which are which are pretty generic, as you'd say. Well, it's it's has colour <laughs> for one. How many you know third person shooters actually features now? They a lot of colour palette. But yeah, for a very dark game, it's very bright. Mm. Yeah. I, mean, I played on the PC and it looks spectacular. Mm. The the environments they they they're part of the story. They're they're a huge part of the story. And, Absolutely. Um yeah. and uh, they, I mean, they're used to great effect. Um, in trying to sort of uh, evoke motion, uh, emotions and stuff, but um, but let's face it, I mean, it's a pretty cool setting, <laughs> and mm. in fact, it's it's the one thing that sets it apart from everything else. I mean, the the combat and the characters, I think that's all. They're all very standard, and they're meant to be. Whereas Dubai, with these huge, beautiful um, uh, skyscrapers and the destruction of the city, is is you know really good to look at. Um, so I think that was the that was the only strange thing. I, f- I think maybe that that just they just said it in Dubai because they had to, you know, from from the brief at the start there. But um, if they had the choice, I'm not sh- so sure they would have said it there. It also allows for the you know the the, the set pieces involving the sand, which are quite yeah. impressive, mm-hmm. and also it allows for uh, a narrative and design choice, which uh, ha- is talked about in uh Daniel Floyd's videos that Josh mentioned in particular uh is that you head down you always head down 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 uh somehow you always start an area high and you end up going down this is obviously symbolic and metaphorical um we'll get onto that but uh it's interesting because you do somehow even though you've just you you know you might start an area a stage at the top of a massive skyscraper looking at a vista below you going down from that makes sense you keep going down whether it be via a zip line you know in a quite traditional way or in a literal crack in the earth um, but yet you may still start the next mission somehow all the way high up again so you can yeah. keep keep this uh, sense of descent which is uh, yeah, I, I, I liked it. it it is noticeable I think even if you're not kind of prepared for it but it it's, uh, yeah, it's a it's a very obvious metaphor, but I think I think that's okay sometimes. Gameplay wise, then, now I think a lot of people are, are perhaps unduly harsh. It does feel like a uh, a, a third person uh, shooter from a few years ago, but it's entirely playable. Um, yeah. It's it's not it's not quote janky. It's not irritating. It's fun, um, and in a way, it it wouldn't make the point that it does about war and video games as successfully if it was no fun at all that point would be lost i think i think more that it's just a functional game rather than a really exciting one 
it works but it doesn't do anything particularly interesting but then again that kind of feeds into the narrative I mean I want to explain the narrative away in some of the environment or some of the, the choices they make with gameplay and I think a lot of people are quick to do that um, but certainly in, in the opening of the game it, it you know it starts very traditionally you are in a helicopter um, you know and you're very it's very Call of Duty yes you know lots of explosions and stuff um, you know it's hard to know what you're getting into at that point you say oh yeah another generic uh, third person shooter yeah the helicopter battle I haven't seen this you're on a minigun with infinite ammo yeah yeah shoot, that's but, funny um, isn't it yeah but um, some of the gameplay aspects, certainly at, at the start, um, having known that there, there was a lot of talk about the sand tech in this, um, and they kind of lay it quite thick at the start, like, you can blow this thing here, see how the people are squashed with the sand. And you're like, yeah. oh, that's, a, that's actually a, a really neat kind of, can I use the environmental? It's not just a, a, a barrel to blow up and, and kill them. Which, which the game also has, we should it say. It has plenty of. Plenty um, of exploding red barrels. It never, I mean, it never runs of that aspect. I think that feels like it's you know a past legacy of uh, a previous you know game in development, and they, they've left little aspects in there that maybe you know, one they were cool set pieces, and but two they didn't really expand upon it, and that stuff kind of gets left quite early on. You could say that it was down to the narrative. Drive, being the driving force of that, but to me it was like, ah, oh, I could, would have appreciated one or two more, you know, extra bits of those, and you know, I, I don't think the AI is pretty bad on occasions, yeah, yeah. To, to me it's less of a military shooter, more of a, a serious sand clone, there's lots of people you know, just streams and streams of people running at you, once again you could argue it plays into a narrative, or you could say, well, you know, they just weren't particularly great at AI and game development. So no, I, th- I think it definitely plays into the narrative. Um, I think the fact that you, you you had to get this sense of senseless killing, if you know what I mean. You you had to have um, bodies running at you and running at you, and and seeing them more as a hindrance than a life. Um, and I think that that's made clear uh, towards the end of the game, definitely. Um, mm. uh, that that I, I definitely think that was a design choice. Whether the whether the terrible AI was a design choice, I don't know. Um, probably not. Uh, they they just I think you know there there was a little bit too much of uh, heads popping up from the same positions and you know the usual stuff we that we see in these sort of games. Um, but yeah, no, definitely the amount of people that that run at you uh, and you just mow them down was I, I think yeah. it was definitely a design choice. It's it's uh, I mean we sh- we should say at this point and and the authors are, are quite blatant about it. This is a retelling or a, a reimagining of uh, Heart of Darkness, the Joseph Conrad book. Uh, one of the key characters is even called Conrad, but with a K. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, uh, the book Heart of Darkness has already been turned into a war film, so this is somewhere between Heart of Darkness and Apocalypse Now, and crucially after a couple of uh, small exchanges early on you spend the vast majority of the game killing what you believe to be rogue American troops so virtually every conflagration is a friendly fire incident Mm. (laughs) obviously this you know this is saying something in itself the idea that you know Americans have gone in to sort this shit out like they do Team America World Police style and in fact for whatever reasons of uh, bad decisions or lack of sanity or post-traumatic stress disorder it all goes to shit and the Americans in fact just end up killing themselves albeit on foreign soil 
I really like that the enemy soldiers, the enemy American soldiers, are not having your typical henchmen conversations. Um, there's one moment where there's two of them stand, standing by a, a balcony and they're completely unaware that your squad is sneaking up behind them and you have the option to just take them out quietly and the conversation they're having is just like this you know normal blokey conversation mundane would almost have. Yeah. yeah and it's not like you know in splinter cell conviction the the two henchmen would be saying oh i can't wait to find sam fisher i'm gonna <laughs> poke his eyes out or something like that um it it just making these enemies into real people just it makes you feel like a horrible person every time you kill somebody because they all the way through the game they reinforce the fact that these guys are normal blokes they're not evil they're just doing their job well that was the first indication i had that 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 made me sit back and think hold on am i killing the right people here what am i doing um uh, but you know sneaking up on people and hearing them talk and talk about just normal stuff made me feel like it, it made me really uneasy um it, it, i i was sitting there thinking well hold on are these guys why am i why do i why are these the enemy i'm I, i'm only really mm. killing them because the game because that's what you do in video games you kill the people that you, you know you're able to kill in video games regardless of of uh, any sort of personality um and the first time i heard you know two uh, bad guys, if you want to call them that, <laughs> um, chatting. Uh, I kind of, I thought, hold on, this, what's going on? Like, and that was the first indication that this game was just a little bit different to what to what I'd played before. See, for me, that it's not the first time a game has had two people talking about, you know, their families back at home, and you're meant to show some empathy before you actually kill them. Mm. That, I mean, that's been done countless times, I would argue. Um, I think the the difference here is what is unusual is that certainly in, in the setting of somewhere like Dubai you would expect and I don't know any easy way to say this you'd expect some sort of ethnicity to to play a part um, outside of you know American. Um, well, it know. does it does very briefly at the start, doesn't it? Mm, and then it does, yeah. and then it's very quickly M- massively uh, towards the middle as well. Um, after after that moment, there's there's a big a big section based on ethnicity and how you should treat that it's it's really interesting yeah. it's one of my favorite bits in the game that. Mm. so so the bigger thing for me is actually just hearing um american jargon troops kind of troop jargon being shouted around for them to kind of move into cover just, you know the special forces kind of jargon so you're doing the same thing as they're doing and that's unusual because usually it's some i wouldn't say it's some sort of uh, racist remarks but it, it's it's kind of like oh yeah the same old kind of thing we hear in a million a million one video game so from that point of view i did quite find it you know interesting that it was american british kind of uh jargon i i agree with you tony that they have done this before in other games i think it's the fact that this is like a military you know shooter game where it's so shocking if this was some indie art game, I think nobody would be surprised. But the fact that this is a AAA, you know, modern military game, it kind of sh- caught people by surprise. So the setup is uh, that you are uh, Captain Martin Walker, played uh, excellently by Nolan North. Um, apparently, he was cast, you know, long before uh, he was kind of that well known 
um, but they decided to keep him and I, I don't think they ever had any thoughts of changing just because he became particularly famous as Nathan Drake because he is a he is a voice actor with range and you know he's extremely reliable um, he's sent in with uh, Adams and Lugo uh, as reconnaissance to find out what the hell's going on with Conrad who seems to be going rogue basically it's a short version I suppose mm-hmm. Um as you say, it starts with a big set-piece helicopter uh, battle, uh, at the end of which you crash, and this may be very significant, depending on your reading of the story, because there is a theory, uh, as I say, we spoil everything, that uh, possibly Walker doesn't survive this, and the entire rest of the game is his uh, his personal descent into hell. Hmm. So that's a great fit. I love I love that, and it yeah, and it's backed up. I, I mean. I'm pretty sure that's what they're going for. I mean, yeah, like, I, I think that's more more of a theory. Um, when you start looking into it and start realizing little touches that the developers put in on the early early parts of this game, like for example, um, uh, Conrad, the supposed bad guy of the whole uh, this whole game, uh, appears on many billboards around Dubai as you as you first start to walk into it. Mm. Um, I think that that's a massive hint that this is. If if not his personal journey into hell, then uh, he is actually like completely lost it. Yeah, that's that's the other sort of reading. Um, the 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 reveal at the end is, and uh, yeah, let's just go for it. Um, it's hard to talk about the whole game without and build up to it without actually exactly. mentioning the ending. So yeah, I think we should get it out of the way. Yeah. So uh, he goes to finally to confront. Uh, Conrad who of course uh, although he appears and speaks to him we actually see his corpse he's been dead for some time Uh, the voices in Walker's head have been commanding him telling him what to do for the entire uh, or not commanding him but manipulating him I suppose we should say or forcing him into often brutal despicable action that's the big twist and that's why that's one of the main reasons why whichever theory you subscribe to either he's dead the whole game or he's completely mental the whole game that's why it's interesting to go back to to play those chapters over yeah there's also the third theory um that Mm -hmm. he he doesn't start going completely mad until the uh, mortar attack right and Uh, the white phosphor game is his yeah and and Mm. the, the rest of the game is him um trying to carve out uh uh, it's, it's trying to justify his actions that f- that first action um, yeah yeah so it's, that, uh, that, that's also an interesting theory that, that works throughout the game as well so um, but aren't there moments that we we see towards the end uh, you know obviously there's there's all this really um, macabre unpleasant graffiti um, he walks into areas underground where people have been camping out where uh, the candles like form what looked like you know the fires of hell sort of thing um there's there's the bit where um he's he believes walker believes he's faced with the choice of shooting one of two uh trussed up men that's before white phosphor isn't it is it i uh, i thought it was after oh okay i think it's after Mm. all right i think that was that was that was one of the points that that that, um that that's when he it completely gone that makes sense <laughs> um, yeah and okay. and yeah and that this was him trying to justify his reasons for 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 
uh, why he did it that 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 Conrad was so such a disgusting human being that he was willing to force you to take a life mm. when there wasn't any need to do so uh, so that was justifying the mortar attack yeah it talks into a couple of interesting things about the game um, well let's talk about the the white phosphor moment um, because it may be crucial it may be pivotal doesn't mean we can't go back and talk about other uh, events before yeah. that if we want to but um, I have heard some people say about this attack and, and uh, th- this sequence that it's probably some I've heard some say that it's it's incredibly powerful and affecting, but others say that it's probably the most heavy-handed and clumsy part of the game. Uh, so you are you have to cross an area uh, that you you have no choice. The game doesn't give you a choice in this case, or arguably it does, according to the writers. Um, and through a uh, death from above, if you think of COD four type uh, view, that sort of uh, is it infra- it's infrared, isn't it? Um, yeah. You are looking at a computer screen. You can see Walker's face reflected in it, and you rain down this. Uh, th- I gather this is a real life weapon, which is oh, yeah. controversial. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really, you know, just ho- horribly unpleasant uh, way to kill people, uh, burns them alive, basically. Yeah, it's hard. It's a controversial. It's, it's one of those weapons that I believe may even be banned now. It's, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think it's been made illegal. It's it, it's super powerful, mm. but yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. um yeah. I've always uh, it's, it's questionable. It's for another uh, conversation, another podcast. But I've, I've always thought the idea that you know some weapons are fine, but some weapons are nasty. Is how did you fellows feel about this moment? Did you find it upsetting, or did you find it clumsy and manipulative, or somewhere between the two? Uh, I'll start then. Yeah, somewhere between the two, to be honest. Um, I, f- I, I, this, this sounds pretty messed up, but I thought that the, the the first few moments where you're walking through uh, the destruction that you made, I think that was a lot more powerful than the moment where you see the mother and daughter. I think that came across slightly as um, a gore porn, if you want to call it that. Do you know what I mean? It's like look mm-hmm. at this melted face and mm. she's holding a baby and it, uh, that would have been fine if you'd have come across it yourself but the game takes control of you at that point mm. and plays a cut scene and it zooms into it and there just so happens to be a, um, a light uh, shining down onto it um, which I've read rumours well, rumours, I've heard, read theories that this is again, this ties in with Walker's Descent into Hell that the the people that he killed, that like she was obviously going to heaven because there was this sunbeam uh, around mm-hmm. her and her child and stuff. Um, uh, so I, I don't really, uh, I'm not really agreeing with that theory to be honest. Mm-hmm. I just think it was a way to sort of stage a grotesque image. Um, uh, I could see what they were trying to do, but it was a bit in your face. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it, it wasn't. But then it's it's hard to. It's hard to get angry and emotional about it because it did um it did have an emotional effect on me um mm. so i I can't get angry about it but but i i I think there's better ways they could have done that It's the way some people talk about uh Steven Spielberg as a filmmaker uh his critics say he's manipulative, and his answer to that is of course I'm manipulative I'm a filmmaker yeah, yeah. it's like that's what i that's what I'm doing if i you know if I want you to cry. I will make the end of E.T. If I want you to be horrified, I will make the Holocaust sequence in Schindler's List. Just like, this is what we do. It is manipulation. Yeah. To to deny that is to misunderstand the medium. But I've always found powerful emotional moments in video games tend to be through your own discovery. They, mm. they, you know, I, I, they, they affect me more when I discover things 
not when I'm walking along and then all of a sudden the cutscene plays out. Um, if if I'd have seen that in the corner, like say say they took that image and put it in the corner, and mm. I would have only have seen it if I'd have walked into this cat. I think yeah. that would have been. I I I thought looking over at all the dead bodies of of the civilians. Have we have we mentioned that there's civilians in this yet? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's exactly. I was, I was about to say. You know, you're talking about those those moments. There are loads of those moments as well. You know, there are moments where you're going. You know, it's again, it's obvious stuff, but it's it's the right stuff. Is where you go past a load of children's drawings, or that bit where you're picking your way through a load of rotting civilian corpses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the camera isn't taken away from you you are walking through it you can choose to hit the run button and sprint through it and pretend you know go la 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 not happening yeah or you can slowly pick your way through look at the texturing on, on the on the charred <laughs> remains of these once human polygons um you know it it is uh, up to you uh, the problem for me i mean you may get from my tone that you know i wasn't quite as as taken in by this game as many other people were but um i for me that actually this was somewhat of a breaking point for that um, you know, clearly, yeah. clearly up to there, like the the game was was trying to make make a point, and I was I was on board with it, but I just felt this like I've, maybe that some of this was anticipation because I'd always heard about this scene, scene even though I generally had avoided most spoilers, certainly the the spoiler of the end. You know, you can't help but hear white phosphorus when people were talking about this game. It just comes up in conversation because you know it's that moment. Luckily, I didn't know what it was. I was like, oh, some okay, well, chemistry. Or so. Something. So I came about this in, in two different ways. Like I, I knew the scene existed. Um, so when I was given that choice, because they said, you know, there is no choice, and you know, you, I can't remember when your colleague says there's always a choice. So you can actually take a choice where you don't. Uh, and Josh, I know you went down this route as well, didn't you? Where um, you don't actually have to rain down the white phosphorus on the people. You can actually go down there and and engage in combat. Now you'll die there's there's no way to actually achieve this without doing that scene so in some respects it's kind of annoying because you know that choice wasn't there so the game's all about you know making some of these choices but they have a definitive story they want to tell that's what that's what the author said wasn't it It was like actually that is a choice it's just not a choice that gamers like to make okay the choice is stop playing the game at this point because you're dead like Mm. that's not really a choice is it yeah i I totally agree with you there's a lot of moments uh where the writers i think uh, do, do sort of try and defend what they're trying to do, but but incorrectly. And I think one of them is that to to turn around and say, "We'll just stop playing." Then, no, I, that that doesn't really work for me. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, but on top of that, um, I felt like the scene just wasn't particularly well handled. It, it was so in your face. Um, I know Leon. I was talking to you, you know, after I'd finished the game, and to me, it was like trying to crack a a walnut with a sledgehammer rather than just a you know a, a a normal nutcracker it was just it was so over the top and similarly the Call of Duty 4 had that scene with the the AC-130 where you're raining down um, you know fire from above in a plane and and it's almost you know similar or almost identical yeah it's directly inspired they're absolutely uh, honest about that but it's weird to level this at Call of Duty. It felt that much more realistic. Like the the death that I was raining upon people even though they were just these white silhouettes on the ground had much more of an impact on me than yeah, it was that coldness was... that that made it. Yeah. More, this this was more melodramatic, I think. And yeah, it was just just very clinical. It was you know he was just you know raining off who's there and and you know fire it down. Where this was very much you know chest beating kind of this this is an emotional moment. You must be impacted by this. Yeah. There's... And the thing that really really annoyed me at the end of this scene was 
um, and actually listening to the Games um, Gamespot talk about this, Jeff Gersman brought this up, which is you know I had exactly the same situation as he did, which is at the very end of this this um, raining of the white phosphorus down. There's a a hut where there's mm. a big white group of people, and I I really tried hard not to fire down on that because I was thinking well clearly if they're taking shelter in there they're not soldiers they're just civilians I don't want to do that and the game forced me to actually you know to get out of that scene it just kept on flying you know basically let me zoom in um, I had to kill all those people inside that hut mm. once again the choice wasn't given to me I I was told by the game I need to do this because this is an impactful moment of the story yeah. and I did it so when I finally got there I was like oh yeah so they're civilians well I knew that so I didn't feel like I was I'm really engaged. surprised I'm really surprised and I'm wondering that if you hadn't heard about that particular scene going in if you'd have if you'd have noticed that at all well, if you knew he, that this was quite an impactful part of the game then I think you're probably paying more attention uh, more attention to it um, yeah, what, I think that's what, probably what is right. a interesting thing this scene has been done before um I don't know who's played Homefront. I mean, it's it's in some respects it's it shares a lot of similarities to what Spec Ops does. Mm. But there's actually this this almost identical white force scene in um, Homefront where you have to you know clear through a massive group of people and you rain down and then the realization that you know this whole platoon of people in front of you are running around on fire and in mm. that you have the choice to actually snipe uh, the people on fire for a mercy killing mm. or leave and be and then basically just walk through as they're on fire and you know to me that had a, a more impactful um was a more impactful scene but it, it, is david right did you know that was coming in home front when you played it um no i i, I can take myself outside of you know you, know. you can't though no one can if you know yeah. if you know that there's a scene of importance going in you will naturally um Look for more detail. I, I I really do think that if you if you hadn't known about it, but I didn't know about the civilians, and that's the thing that really pushed me off over the edge on this. I scene. know, I know, but you 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 knew it was an impactful part of the game, and I think you would have honestly that that um uh scene is quite long. The the combat section of that is quite long, and by the end of it, I was thinking, oh come on, let's just shoot everything with a white dot so I can carry on with the story you know you do get a little bit tired of just blowing stuff up um, so I, I didn't stop to go okay what am I firing at I had a goal set in my mind and I was just trying to achieve that goal and no, no, I, I hadn't heard that this was a, a big part of the game I just assumed that this was a run of the mill you know um, uh, colour by numbers um, shooter moment you know like, it, it might as well be a turret yeah, but the the game up to that point had sufficiently got under my skin enough for me to question my actions as what, the player. In what way? Well, just in the you know, I'd, I'd already realised that I was shooting a lot of people that I probably shouldn't have been. Um, yeah, you could argue yes, some of that was what I've heard from other people, but there was that they had done. I mean, this is what the game should have been doing was getting under my skin. You know, even if it was small bits at that point, that when he you know turned around to me and says you always have a choice it was clearly it was said in such venom that you're like okay well do I have a choice here so you know, I'm yeah, going to try to Walker turns around and, go, and says something no you he don't says something yeah. Back to, yeah yeah he, he basically says no you don't um, sometimes you don't yeah yeah that, that's it so I, that sort of forced my hand which was another clever thing as well because it was like you know what I trusted Walker based on nothing really so um, although uh, Logan was saying is it Logan um, Lugo. Uh, Lugo, sorry, was saying, you know, you've got a choice. I went with Walker's decision because 
just simply because I was controlling Walker, I trusted him more than I did Lugo. <laughs> Weird. Talking about choices in the game, I think one thing it does, interestingly, and I think another reason why some people have a particular problem with the white phosphor sequence, apart from it being manipulative, is that there are other sections in the game where, rather than the usual uh, Paragon Renegade or infamous style give the food to the hungry people eat the food for yourself there are a number of places where the choices are not only uh, shit or shitter in you know we've seen in uh, around the same time coming out either side of this game was uh, Walking Dead um, but also sequences where such as the one we mentioned before where according to the unreliable narrator who is Martin Walker there are two living people hanging in front of you and you are mm. given uh, no choice but to shoot one of them there are actually four or five ways you can tackle that sequence but yeah. the game doesn't signpost them interesting I thought what did you go Josh I mean because like, Josh didn't get to answer the, the white oh, phosphorus my, one my so. bad no no Sorry. no just, so I'd be interested in this next one well I I just thought it was interesting because at the time I kind of took it at face value like I just immediately oh well I have this choice mm. between the two I'll kill one of them it's only game logic, yeah. after I'd finished the game and kind of examined what you know all the choices that I could have made did it was then that I realized that there was so much more going on and I think I kind of respect the game for that because it felt like it was almost a commentary on like the programmed nature of you know a gamer's brain. Like, exactly, we're yeah. so programmed to examine the choices we're given. We're not. We're not programmed to examine the choices we're not given. Um, th there was another sequence that really surprised me that I didn't think was a choice, where there was a scene um, where you're holding a guy at gunpoint. And he starts monologuing and he talks and he's got a gun facing at you and then he just drops down a hole. And I thought like there was nothing I could do to affect that scene. Turns out at any moment I could have gunned that guy down. But because he was talking and he was delivering narration, I assumed it was a cutscene that I couldn't interfere with mm. just because that's the way I've been programmed to think about it. <laughs> Which is funny because um, I did the opposite. I, I assumed that I had to kill him. Like I had to kill him as quick as I could, otherwise he would shoot me, and then it would be mission over. Do it again. Um, uh, so yeah, I had the opposite. It, I was so used to games having someone go crazy in front of me and then pull a gun out on me. I thought, well, I'm going to nip this in the bud, kill him, and 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 then and then move on. Which again, if you listen to the writers and the developers that that's exactly the sort of thing they want you to do it's like or, or not that they wanted you to do but 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 they would predict that you would do um it's amazing i mean i i, I listened to the narration of that guy but interestingly the the two people hanging um from the what's it from the uh, sign um i actually didn't shoot even them um i i felt like you know the narration was tricking me at this point and um so i went full combat i went well you know either choice is going to be an immorally wrong choice so i you know if if they end up getting shot then that's still not blood on my hands so i completely bucked that trend i actually went and and i think there's like a few snipers yeah that's exactly that's that's the reason you you know i i totally fell for it um and as i did later with the um with one we'll talk about after um, I totally even though you know I'd been kind of forewarned about this game or you know given some inkling that there was more going on I still didn't challenge the game logic that was being thrown yeah. in my face even though I'm somebody you know I think I've, I've got a relatively agile mind 
because I've been playing video games for 35 years, I'm just like, okay, shoot the guy or the other guy. Okay. Even though, you know, I've played freeform video games before, but I didn't think this was one of those. That's the crucial thing. I wasn't thinking that this is the kind of game where you can make your own adventure. It's not Skyrim or something, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a third person war shooter. So even it may have anti-war intentions, it may be hammering you over, over the head with the fact that war is bad. Okay. Um, but it's still saying, shoot this guy or shoot this guy to continue the game. I'm assuming if I don't do what the game tells me, not knowing at this point that Conrad is a figment of Walker's imagination that if I attempt anything else either the game doesn't continue or or a cutscene kicks in and I get gunned down by snipers yeah which is massively intentional because yeah I mean forgetting the the narrative um, uh, theories over the game um, the 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 overall game is a critique of of this genre as a whole um like it, it it's what that particular scene is telling you is that maybe you should think outside the box so the, the the way i see that i don't want to jump ahead because this is kind of a discussion we should have towards the end i suppose but um it's it's a question on you if you it's a question of what you want to get out of military shooters uh this this is the way i see the game it you put a military shooter in to feel like a war hero oh look i'm doing all this cool stuff i'm doing this i'm doing that and that one section makes you question that you're you're not being a hero you're just doing what the game is telling you to do hmm. if you expand your mind a little bit then if it, maybe you can start experiencing what it's like to sort of be a hero if you know what i mean like so instead of killing these two innocent people you could have taken out the two snipers um and that would make you more of a hero than uh, what the game was trying to force you to do. Mm. I, I think that's a big, a big um, part of that. That sort of critique. You're you're acting like uh, a, a good um, similar uh, sort of narrative is is Fight Club. You're acting like Tyler Durden in that you're doing exactly what your your kind of inner voice, your alter ego, is telling you. In this yeah, case, yeah, it's yeah, comrade. Yeah. It? It's it's strange because I'm I'm trying to to remember why I chose not to to go ahead with that. It's because clearly the the three of you here have been lured into that making that choice. Hmm. Whether that's down to more of your gameplay style of first but well, third person shooters, or and, and why I decided to question this. And that I mean, like I know Elmo, I said you know, I'd given some hints of what this game was. I mean, I was told there's a white phosphorus scene. That's mm. as, as far as I knew what I knew about this game. I didn't mm. know I was walking into you know a game where you know, choices and pretend and, binary choices. Yeah. yeah. So I at that point I I just felt. Um, Conrad was was leading me on, and any choice that I made here was the wrong one. So yeah. in for a penny, in for a pound. Let's see if we can take the snipers you, down. You obviously just that choice. you obviously just had more faith in the developers of this shooter. Well, you know, even even regardless of the the themes and the narrative, I'd you're actually I'd... thinking like because I'm thinking fail state if I don't do what the game says. Yeah, whereas you're yeah, thinking, yeah, whereas you're thinking maybe not fail state, maybe. See. Yeah. Maybe what I'm thinking is that I I think a lot of the choices that are given to you are actually I, I, you're you're talking about them being quite subtle. To me, a lot of the, the bigger choices here were um, were quite blatant and, and clear to me that you know these were a choice and you know I have a choice and maybe there's a third option than the one being delivered to me. 
what I guess would be annoying for the white phosphorus scene to me was that, that in fact that was a, a section where there was no choice. The choice was actually taken away from me, but it, it kind of portrayed that there, there maybe was one or two different things you could do when really there wasn't. So hmm. you know, I, I, I prefer the fact that, you know, even to, if to me, you know, it was kind of a you know, an obvious blatant choice that there was a third option rather than it just saying there's a fail state and move on. What about uh, the one that I found more affecting than this? Um, and I felt this was, I, I think there was probably more obviously a choice, but I still did the wrong and the bad thing. So uh, your squad mate Lugo, you're split up from him. Um, then you remake contact with him over the radio and you hear that he's in an enormous amount of trouble. This could all be, you know, uh, insane mental bullshit anyway. We don't know. Or it may be just part of. Uh, Walker's descent into hell but as far as the game goes you're sprinting after Lugo who's in trouble to um, find that he's oh hang on am I getting is it is this yeah this is the right bit isn't it where um, it's the bit just after where you get um, attacked by the the civilians that's right? the bit I'm that's when the bit I'm coming through. to yeah the civilians so um, your your path is blocked by civvies uh, uh, a fair amount of um models looking at it in a gameplay way you can't just you can't just push through them they stop you um and the longer you linger the more they start throwing rocks at you and it actually damages your health bar i assume you can actually get killed at that point by being stoned to death um your squad mate your surviving squad mate is egging you on to uh open fire and one of the or is one or is he, he's egging you on not to open fire whereas you're thinking I don't know. I'm going to have to open fire. Um, um, no, they ask your position, uh, the, the, your permission, I think, to open fire. Yeah, like that's they it. They are regging you on. Yeah. Okay. Um, and of course, in the end, the option I took was to try and uh, shoot somebody to wound them, which didn't work very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that always works. But of course, there is another option that I didn't even think to try, which fire was the option. Yeah, exactly. Which is the option that real me, not that I'd ever be in that situation. Uh, apart from the descent to hell bit, possibly, uh, would take, which is the try and, you know, fill as few people in, in life with lead as possible, would have been to hopefully uh, get rid of them by, scatter them by firing in the air. I didn't take that option in the game, and I actually felt bad about it. Yeah, I did, I did actually, on that one. Uh, I, I I think when faced with a bunch of um, uh, unarmed civilians, mm. um, I didn't have it in me to open fire. I waited them. ages until my health was you know seriously really low, yeah. depleted yeah I was like fuck I'm going to die it's them or me but of course it didn't have to be that way so in the end and of course but there is part of me there was part of me that once I'd shot one and he'd gone down there is always a part of your brain going this is only a video game these are just polygons as much yeah. as as much as I love to immerse myself in video games and I do find them incredibly engaging captivating and believable in a lot of ways there is still that you know very healthy part of my brain the kind that means <laughs> well, that, I, that I'm not I'm not the kind of person who's going to you know do a high school shooting or whatever um, it's basically like ah fuck it you know brrr, so I just open <laughs> fire on the crowd we've played Grand Theft Auto exactly <laughs> and there's part of you not only that not only the part of you that knows it's all a video game and it's just digital binary numbers and uh, art laid over the top of it um, there's also the part of you that thinks that maybe the story will be more dramatically interesting if yes. Walker guns down a load of civilians absolutely so it's an interesting sort of dichotomy or trichotomy Josh, where did you go? I, 
I shot them. Um, <laughs> While and laughing really... and smoking a cigar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like Rambo. I... But again, the same with Leon. I felt, because I didn't think there was a choice. Again, I... It's interesting, I, isn't it? I just mm. assumed that that was... And I think that's the reason why I have so much respect for this game. Because it's not really a game about choices. It's a commentary on, like how gamers are kind of brainwashed yeah. to uh, perform certain behavior. I mean, if I was if I was actually in that situation, I would have weighed up all the options. You probably I would had. have been killed by the stones. Well, I pr- and that. Yeah. But <laughs> Definitely, like, yeah. because it's a game, I'm thinking of it as a system. And in a system, I'm thinking, well, of clearly it wants me to shoot these people, so I'm going to shoot them. And I just automatically do because it doesn't make the the choice of if it was like uh, The Walking Dead, where like there are some really morally fucked up choices in that game, but they are all presented to you. Like you can choose what you do, but in this game, it's not obvious. So you yeah. don't, you don't not to me or you, but apparently to Tony, it is. No, no, what no to, to <laughs> me, what's interesting? We we say like this is a commentary again uh, on games, but like games commentary is don't shoot the civilians like at, at almost every game you know, whether it be a moral thing or whether it just be we don't want to have to deal with any kind of backlash on the press like yeah but they cease not... to be civilians in a video game context when they're when they're taking your health bill. yeah but they are I mean, at the point they they're have enemies. civilian clothes on they're not <laughs> enemies so to me I mean from a from a standing back from this I mean I did shoot into the air uh, j- just to see oh. what would happen I guess um, you know before I got stoned to death the United Nations Atkins over here yeah weird isn't it but <laughs> I, and I wonder when why... you're playing Tetris Tony do you try and flip the blocks the, like towards the camera as well <laughs> I wonder why I wonder if this is why my kind of ascent to the darkness wasn't as dramatic as you guys yeah. because maybe I didn't you know I was like well you know, I'm still. I haven't earned this. In, this hell. Yeah, I'm, I'm still yeah. in control of my emotions. I'm a to good some degrees. But I mean, you could to, standing back for a second. You know, it, you I almost see it as a commentary of the you know the, the whole scene in Call of Duty where you're you're in the the train station or airport, isn't it? Mowing down. Uh, oh, Modern Warfare Two. Without, yeah. without mm. that, I mean, the choice would be not to play that scene or not. But which I played without killing. Interestingly, I didn't shoot anyone, um, which you can do in in No Russian. Uh, Without raising the suspicions of your, <laughs> of but your then, of then your again, parents. David, you're the one that said you also didn't shoot him. So you know, yeah, I did, for that, I, I I think that's just, um, I that was again that was probably down to my video game, um, knowledge where it's usually you could you shoot a civilian and it's mission over, game over shoot yeah. civilians. Mm. So um, I think that was part of it as well. So I, whenever I'm in scenes like that, I always try and. You know, just fire into the air because that's what I it's think. So, so rarely does anything. Though, but does see, it? that's, yeah, again, that's right, video game right. training. Normally, but, it's just like oh, whatever. But listening to yeah. David there, I think in fact that we're the ones that that played with the, the the fail state there because in any other game, if you shoot civilians, you could actually get the game over skin. I think actually, may not be in Call of Duty, but there is plenty of shooters where you shoot civilians and you do get the no go back to the start or the checkpoint. You know, we don't condone that. Mm, so, I think by fact, this you, point you renegade against the choice by actually going well, and shooting them no it's different because in a Call of Duty game the civilians are just running around like wild chickens everywhere whereas in this situation they're presented to you as enemies a they threat. may not be enemies with guns but they got are rocks. a threat you can kill people yeah. with rocks um, yeah I think also th- this is like uh, this, is, this sequence is um, sort of three quarters of the way through the game and by this point I, you know, the game had taught me 
I'm not, you know, although I've got, you know, those decades of gaming experience, I've also got a brain which, you know, adapts and learns on the fly. I've learned at this point that this game does things a little differently and has a different agenda. So I, rather than my mistake thinking that, you know, um, refusing Conrad's offer earlier would be a fail state I'm thinking oh who knows in this game maybe I can just gun down the civilians oh shit yes I can I just did <laughs> it's just, you just sound evil <laughs> interesting times um, but yes uh, I thought you know these are these are brave uh, or not brave brave brave's too strong but um, interesting and inventive twists on the usual way of of presenting the player with choices in games something I'd like to see more of even even in like the next season of The Walking Dead choices that are less kind of obviously one thing or the other less binary maybe there's yeah. a maybe there's another way of doing things but you just have to think it out for yourself I think yeah. it's you know it's the way that narrative gaming has to head but of course you can end up in that situation where too many player choices and you end up with a story that the developers can't finish <clears throat> Mass Effect <laughs> uh, one thing I wanted to comment upon was the use of licensed music in the game uh, there is there is some soundtrack stuff which I, I don't particularly remember um, with apologies to the composer uh, Elia Kmiral <laughs> whose name I can't pronounce either um, but it was I have really strong uh, obviously Jimi Hendrix's famous rendition of the Star Spangled Banner plays over the uh, the attract screen along with an upside down American flag you know you could say that it, the game's agenda is actually set out there famously sort of anti-American sentiment mm. um, and blatantly so but it's the sequences in the game uh, shoot 'em ups in, in, in clubs and leisure facilities played out to the likes of uh, Hush by Deep Purple or um, Martha and the Vandellas, Nowhere to Run, absolutely amazing stuff. Like I know it's stuff we've seen in in films before, but um, that weird, uncomfortable juxtaposition of, uh, of brilliant music with high uh, octane action, yet uh, a nagging sense of guilt, <laughs> was I found it quite intoxicating. Just me? Yep. <laughs> no, I, no, I know. I, I think I think the soundtrack's fantastic, and I think the you know the choice of music is definitely uh, in contrast of what's going on on the screen and it it, it just adds to the overall unsettling uh, like uh, feeling of the game you know i had it really cranked up um you know the, the a lot of the music picked in the game is stuff that i i genuinely like and uh, and it was interesting to have it used in in that and the, there's a, there's a spot with some verdi as well which is quite potent stuff i felt Later on in the game, although I believe it's not actually a choice, there's um, actually, for me, a really impactful scene where you still a, a water tanker, um, and during the, the high-speed chase, it gets knocked over and blows up, and all the water is uh, just thrown across the ground. And th I don't know why, like, it, nobody gets killed. It's, it's not, like, a really big choice. It's just the fact knowing that nobody in this hostile environment like water is the key to life here and the fact that you take away that you know almost their life source um, be it good bad or whatever the hell's going on is it, you know is the thing that actually knocked me for sixth the most and you know nobody's really dying in that scene it's just purely taken away the very uh, essence on, of it, what they need isn't the truck chased after by a huge amount of local 
yeah. soldiers, yeah. Uh, uh, Arabs. Um, that's the point where you're using an infinite ammo grenade launcher, isn't it, to turn local soldiers into uh, twitching giblets? Mm-hmm. I thought you said no one died. <laughs> I, well, yeah, but, Racist. You know. <laughs> There isn't a choice. Nobody white died. <laughs> well, well, there is one white guy that died. Um, cause yes. There's that guy who gets trapped under some, I forget, the, wreckage of some. Yeah, guy. under the under the lorry, basically. And there's and there's a fire uh, slowly creeping towards him, and you're given mm. the choice whether to just end him, end his misery mm-hmm. right there and then, or let him burn to death. I let him burn to death because he seemed like an asshole. So, <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Uh, I, I, I mercy killed him I think uh, and then of course I looked through the achievements after the game found out there was one for not killing him so of course you go back and do all the other things that you didn't do the first time don't know whether the uh, the sort of the the satire of the piece was uh, leaked into the into the achievements as well because they involve killing lots of people by and large as well as taking the other choices there's even one for shooting a deer yeah, the very start. Yeah, or or on that level, if you prefer, uh, if you just walk away from from uh, walk ahead of the guy, you can get the uh, the deer killing achievement straight after if you want. So you can use the bullet that you saved on the guy who you've let burnt to death on some local wildlife. <laughs> you've got to be a proper arsehole if you turn that. On. Yeah, just well, again, it, it, do you think the de- the developers are actually you know, again continuing to comment on? player behaviour in a meta way via the achievements at this point I wonder I wonder Uh, did anyone actually does anyone have anything else they wanted to particularly say about the campaign other than uh, outside of what they want to say in their own summary I I did think the uh, post credit sequence was quite interesting. Oh, endings! We must talk endings quickly. Yeah. Yes, of, of course. course yeah. There's multiple endings, uh, but the the different endings are chosen not by your actions throughout the game, but by your actions in the very, very, very final sequence. Anyone care to explain? Yeah, so there's there's several different endings. I, I think you walking uh, to finally um, is it comrade, isn't it? The, yes, the, the bad guy. You you walk in to finally find him, uh, and although it's not really him, as you soon discover, his corpse rotting on a uh, chair uh, where where he'd ki- killed himself a, a while back. Mm-hmm. It's actually um, this is the sort of big reveal that yeah, Walker is has now gone completely insane. Uh, um, we should we should probably just say that in in case people are wondering, the reason that uh, Walker is able to have this sort of image of him in his uh, either crazy or dead mind is because he knows him from a previous operation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, it, the discussion has been made about how about uh, Walker's moral choices and whether. The, 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 whether they were real or not, there's a, the, the section with the where you had to choose between the civilian and the soldier who to shoot. That's shown again, um, and you see that they're actually two rotting corpses. Uh, they didn't exist, and there's there's no batteries in his radio, which which I think throws up probably the biggest plot hole in the in the game. Mm-hmm. The fact that you've you've got two men with you following you blindly, even though they can clearly see you falling apart. Um, yeah. Why would they do that? That's kind of understandable why why people would sort of point that out and go, hold on a minute. 
Um, yeah, they question your actions, but they, as your subordinates, continue to respond to you, even though perhaps there would be a case because you are either yeah, you're you're mental to for the, one of them to actually knock you out and take over or or something like that. Um, yeah. So uh, then you've you've got some choices, haven't you? You, you <laughs> fight. There's a there's a um, although they're not marked out as choices, which I think was very clever. It feels yeah. This is why I think every ending you get, I think, is very personal to you and and very well done because it feels as though you're making choices. You're not presented with choices. You're reacting to what's going on, and um, whatever your reactions are, that's what how the game ends basically. So. The big moment is when Comrade is pointing a gun in the reflection uh, at you, and you can either let him shoot you, uh, which actually represents Walker committing suicide, um, or you can fight him back as if to sort of kill that part of your brain, to kill that um, the, the, the the sort of voice that's been haunting you throughout. Um, what, what did you guys do? There's another choice, uh, which is if you uh, move the analog stick left, you can just choose elect to blow your own brains out. Which is is kind of like the first choice anyway, right? Because I mean, that's yeah. essentially what you're still doing. Um, you are blowing your own brains out, but you're you're not doing it with by your own hand, technically, yes, yeah. like within the workings of your mind. You're it's actually Comrade that's doing it. Um, but yeah, did you? What, what did you do then, uh, Ratso? My first, my first uh, play, I, uh, I I blew my own brains out. It, what, so you so you don't get gun? you don't get the the post credit sequence um, if you do that. You just get a, a rather bleak ending. Yeah, I mean, I I, I let Comrade shoot me, um, and I'm pretty sure that's the same ending, right? Yes, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, where, where you see him sort of laid out on the floor I thought it was wonderful I thought it was a great ending because yeah. at, the t- at the time when the gun uh, was being pointed at me and there was a countdown Comrade counts down from five um, to one before um, shooting I, I I just I thought about everything Walker had been through and everything that he'd done and I thought this guy doesn't deserve to survive anymore this is it the, the, you know if I'd known that I'd committed such atrocities in this city and killed so many innocent people um, I, I would want to die I, I couldn't live with that um, and I don't think I'd deserve to s- survive through that uh, through this mission so yeah I, I think that's just, how I felt I put, I put the pad down and I knew what was happening mm. and I just thought that was the right ending for my story um, how about you guys how about uh, Tony and Josh um, I shot Conrad and, and I'm kind of I feel ashamed to admit that the reason why <laughs> I shot Conrad is because I knew there were there was a post credit sequence okay. and I wanted to see it. So it wasn't kind of a. Um, it, I'm kind of jealous of you and Leon because that was a personal moment for you two. But for me, it was more okay. I'm going to shoot Conrad so I can see more of this game. I'd already you tweeted me some time ago, Josh, to say you know look out for these post credits things. So I'd, I was aware, but uh, I also knew that you can simply replay what is a very short chapter up to that point. You basically have to walk up some stairs, uh, go in a lift, walk up some more stairs, and then have that conversation. Some of which is uh, some of the cutscene is skippable, so you can see all the endings in in quick succession if you're so inclined. I felt that was fine. I felt it was appropriate for doing this podcast to see all the different endings. 
Um, and also for the game, I don't think it wasn't like Heavy Rain or The Walking Dead, where it's like, you know, that's your story, don't fuck about with it. It's kind of like, this is, you know, there's there's interesting things to be said by each ending. Tony? I I guess because I wasn't so sucked into the narrative as, as other people, I, I guess I fell into a fairly video game trope at this point, and I, I killed Conrad, um, not knowing that there was a post-credit sequence or anything mm. like that. I just... Uh, you know, listening to you guys turning the gun on yourself and and ending it there sounds like a, a fantastic experience and one I'd probably wish I I I would have chosen at that point. But I think I probably just got sucked into the, the more the the Norman and felt like he was the end boss and needed to go down. So <laughs> That's funny because the other choices it's been the other way around yeah, where exactly. Josh and I have gone the video gamey route and you've thought oh but what if yeah. Um, and then you get given another choice at the uh, the post credits. Yeah, again, choice so. of well, sort of a choice of three. Where there's three potential endings. So in the post credits sequence, uh, your uh, army buddies basically come to pick you up. You know, to uh, extract you from this mission. Um, but you know, you come out. You're a twitching, nervous wreck. Whether you're alive or dead, or or mental, whatever. Um, you walk you you walk out holding uh a gun um and then so you have the option of relinquishing your arms and then you get taken away uh one of your compatriots says uh god i don't know how you survived and uh walker says uh, who said i did and um but of course there's also uh, the option to start firing and then there's two potential states there's the one where you don't manage to kill the entire convoy of troops uh, which I would imagine would be quite a challenge on anything above easy but I only played this game on easy because it was recommended because it's you know the gameplay is so-so and the narrative is, is more interesting so on easy it's quite easy to dispatch this entire platoon and then you see that uh, kind of effectively as you might expect Walker has sort of replaced Conrad and become the Colonel Kurtz figure the Kurtz figure from Apocalypse Now he's now kind of you know wearing wearing ribbons and medals and looks like he's about to kind of start his own revolution mm. and I chose to, to, to basically just the, the nicer route out it's funny isn't it because I really played into a, a standard video game meme at that point isn't it because I just went oh yeah that's the end of the game like I'm not going to engage in combat I, I want to get in the vehicle and just have whether it be the happy ending because you certainly know he's he's been battle scarred there's clearly post-traumatic stress there but I chose that one I did actually in this one I did I did try the other route and it that I mean that's actually quite impactful when you start opening up on the, those troops there because they feel completely separated from everything that's happened before yeah so. they're not part of the damned 33rd unit that that you were fighting no. before they are just your US army you know compatriots and and they're although they are you know, standing there, they they are kind of armed, obviously they're soldiers, but they are just saying, "Oh, come, you know, come on, we're here to we're here to pick you up, yeah, put exactly. your gun down, and and if you you know you can drop three of them before they even know what's happening, really." Um, and then there are quite a few more. There are quite there is you know a sizable convoy that pulls up. Um, yeah, so I didn't really have for me the my real ending if we are going to look at it that way, was uh, me electing to put the gun to my chin. Uh, um, But the other endings have some merit and worth, I think. Let's hear 
from oh no sorry <clears throat> scrub that uh, very very quickly I think I know the answer already um, and it seemed to be that the a lot of the review scores of the game were actually negatively affected by what is by all accounts a tacked on multiplayer component did anyone sample the spec ops the line multiplayer no no but it's got a, I, I love the quote from um, from Jaeger themselves mm-hmm. which is uh, they were forced the, from their own opinion they were forced by 2K to add the multiplayer mm. and they described it in one review as a cancerous growth a yeah. cancerous gro- growth on a single player product mm. which is strong words to be, to be thrown at your publisher although uh, Daniel Floyd on, on the videos we mentioned before on Penny Arcade called out uh, reviewers for negatively impacting the score of the overall product because of the presence of the multiplayer and I agree with him I don't see why you should mark the overall product down for having a component in it however I'm kinda pleased they did because if 2k are now aware of this it could start you know this game comes in with like a metacritic score of under 80 because they put in a multiplayer that nobody wanted and nobody played so maybe this will lead the charge for games not having tacked on perfunctory multiplayer components I think it's a, a fairly you know, broad statement to, uh, just to say well the multiplayer is what took it down from being well, no, I'm, I'm basing this on actually having read some of the middling to negative reviews but I think I, th- I think you're right I'm not saying this, this game would have got like 95% everywhere if it had just been the single player of course it wouldn't but a number of organs I don't have quotes to hand unfortunately so I can't actually name them um, did say that the the multiplayer was responsible for them you know docking marks basically I don't I just think I just I I don't think the developers even wanted it on there I mean yeah, exactly none of the players there's did no need for it. So, yeah um, yeah it's it's a, it's a shame it's on there but maybe I should have given it a go do you reckon there's all sorts of like hidden weird uh, moral no. issues in the multiplayer as well? That no. would be amazing. I reckon it's <laughs> if as... if, they, if you kill someone, all of a sudden you hear like their children crying in the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd um, be great. He had a wife. Um, there's there's the thing is against all the odds, like the Uncharted Two multiplayer was actually pretty good fun even though a lot of people don't like the combat in that game and it's one of the 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 big criticisms about the un, the whole uncharted franchise is that it becomes this ridiculously uh intense uh, you know level of shooting in a game that people want to play this genuine nice guy hero and uh they want to be indiana jones and shoot as few people as possible maybe the odd nazi who is really asking for it but in fact nathan drake is of course famously a mass murderer but at least that does play into uh what is a fundamentally entertaining attractive fully featured multiplayer but in this case uh i would probably say that the spec ops the line mechanics are equal to uncharted shooting maybe slightly better even so it's probably playable but why would you waste your time on it when there are better things out there our regular correspondent delb2k derek ritchie says jaeger's aim is one that other developers should aspire to an attempt to convey the distress of war of guilt and of having to do things no man should ever be asked to do and what it could do to him 
but in order for this to work it has to transcend into the person playing and not simply become an action completed by an avatar but one where that burden is felt on the couch. Sometimes it works. There are multiple moments where the guilt and confusion were apparent in the choices I made. Other times it felt too rote and enforcing the wrong option for the wrong option's sake. As horrible and guilt-inducing as the white phosphor was, I would dearly have liked the ability to choose the other option. The problem is, when the meat of the game took over, when the standard shooting starts that characterisation is diluted, what is left is quite a normal third-person lock-and-pop title. Spec Ops keenly shows why trying to transfer a state of mind to a player is one of the hardest acts to pull off. It's not something that can be switched off and on without detriment, but that is what this title tried to do by leaving the shooting as just shooting, If they had found a mix, this could have been groundbreaking. Instead, it is a solid and interesting marker on that journey. Fair comment as ever, Derek, I would say. Yep, yeah, I think it's Paul. Todinho. He says, To me, Spec Ops The Line works better as a statement than as a game. The message it's trying to convey is hindered by the overall quality of the game. Even so, I still found it compelling. What impressed me the most were the small things, like how the game gives the player choice. How Walker's speech during fights changes from the beginning of the game, where he's very professional, to the end where he starts sounding more and more like an angry Xbox Live user. I also really like the fourth wall-breaking moments that tried to mess with your head, reminding me a little of the Metal Gear series. Lastly, I found the setting of Dubai very interesting and well realised. That, to me, was a great choice that helped go helped me go through the rather cliched beginning of the game. Hopefully, more games will take a page from Spec Ops: The Line and improve on it. But for now, it was refreshing to see another war game, other than Metal Gear, have a more critical view on the subject. There's one thing I wanted to say. Actually, uh, I noticed a lot in that in that uh, Gamespot podcast we mentioned, and I've heard it a lot in talk about this game, Spec Ops: The Line, since. It's like sort of ah oh yeah it's the it's the antithesis to Call of Duty and you know the sort of the the military porn the the the, the sort of the the celebration the two dimensional epic nonsense of Call of Duty but I remember having people having conversations five years ago about Call of Duty Four Modern Warfare and how affecting the Death from Above sequence was and the and the nuclear strike and all that. The opening yeah. scene. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So it's like people have forgotten that that's where that series came from. Maybe when they talk about that, they're referring to the, the kind of the, the entertaining nonsense of Black Ops and Modern Warfare 2 and 3 and whatever. But it seems a little unfair to... I think, you know, COD 4, is. it's easy to forget what a fantastic video game that was. Yeah. I think I think everyone agrees that COD Four is a superb game. I think it's just what it spawned afterwards that mm. people have disdain for. Yeah, um, I think it's just popcorn gaming, isn't it? It's yeah, but COD just, Four, yeah, COD Four uh, was arguably trying for reaching a little higher, um, and did have atmosphere and did have impact. Um, you know, where the more recent Call of Duties, I haven't played them all. I've played some of them. Are you know are just balls out ridiculousness. Um, it seems I just think you know it seems uh, I suppose it's Activision's fault you know that's what they do isn't it they destroy legacy of well I don't, I don't think you can blame, blame uh, Activision necessarily because how many people go out and buy Call of Duty we can bemoan oh, whether you know, people want something or not but it's the number one selling game for a reason not going to change a formula and you know you look at Spec Ops no but they did that's my new... point they did change the formula in a way well because because, well, yeah, because they, because they turned for, it from yeah. something that did have some sort of uh, commentary about warfare into something that doesn't. <laughs> they dumbed it down. They did, but it sells more and more each year. So yeah, 
So maybe they dumbed it down. Well, absolutely for commercial reasons, which takes yeah. me back to criticizing Activision. Look, I mm. think I think the the overall thing to take away from Spec Ops when it comes to comparing it to the likes of um, uh, the Modern Warfare, the Call of Duty series, is that it's saying, you know, you can. You, there's more to you. There can be more to them. It doesn't have to be. Oh, look at this thing blowing up, and it, there can be a little bit more to them uh, than that. But at the same time, I, I, everyone's always quick to to you know you know not call a duty for what it does. But a lot of people love it. I mean, a lot of people just love that complete and utter and escapism of, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm one of. There them, doesn't I, have to I, be only one thing, does the, it? That's the, the point. Crit- the criticism no. is not that Call of Duty is bad. It's more that as an industry, we don't explore enough of the emotional spectrum. We explore exciting things. We explore like that, you know, adrenaline junkie kind of. Yeah, this is awesome. But we don't explore like the grim realities of war. Film has. Michael Bay films that just balls out fun, mm. but it also has, you know, Saving Private Ryan's. That's what we need more in the games industry. We need more Saving Private Ryan's and stuff like that. Or Thin Red Line, if you yeah. prefer. Andy Kurosaki, another regular and faithful correspondent. Personally, I really enjoyed Spec Ops The Line, even though I was a bit dubious with its dodgy name and yet another war game appearance. I ended up really enjoying the entire campaign. Though, like the developers, I had no interest in the multiplayer. It's not often a game throws the consequences of your actions in your face, but the White Phosphor incident certainly did. And finally, from the forum, canorince.com slash forum, MikeLeddy83, I'd heard good things and went into it thinking Apocalypse Now, but it never really matched my expectations. I'll admit the hanging decision was tense and the radio tower murder, we didn't actually talk about that, but that's okay, Uh, quite unexpected but I'd happily glide over to a pretty fun on-rails massacre shortly after, and the hooks never seemed to be set in place. Despite the negative points, I enjoyed it, and its short playing time made it a perfect rental. Yeah, something we didn't mention. It's a very brief game, uh, but I think that works in its favour, because it says everything it needs to say, arguably more than once, and (laughs) the gameplay is quite repetitive, so six hours or whatever is, is about... Is about right, uh, especially now you can get the game for for cheap. Uh, I, you know, I would have been interested to talk to anyone who bought this on day one at thirty nine ninety nine. You know how they felt about it. I'd be really interested to actually to have had somebody on this show who bought it wanting uh, a more uh, celebratory military the usual sort of thing gung-ho jingoistic type thing and then were completely had the carpet pulled from under them by this uh, obvious anti-war dumb it down I've I've got the box in front of me at the moment I tell you it could not scream any more I want I'm the latest yeah exactly it really does it say anything on the back about that's interesting uh, yeah Thousands of lives were lost, including the American soldiers sent to evacuate the city. Today, the city lies buried under sand, the world's most uh, open city. Uh, now, a mysterious radio signal was picked up from Dubai, and the Delta Raccoon, uh, <laughs> Raccoon team, team. <laughs> Raccoon team is sent to uh, infiltrate the city. Their mission is simple: locate the survivors and the radio for evac. Yeah, it doesn't really. <laughs> no, other yeah. than it starts with a very sort of negative, you know, people have lost their lives thing. Um, but you know, I, uh, I, I've not. IGN said an intense and unique war yeah. shooter. 
<laughs> I've not read the back of too many like Call of Duty or Battlefield boxes lately either. So let's I have. I think they all mention. I think the back of the latest Modern Warfare. So experience what it's like to feel <laughs> the horrors of war. <laughs> <laughs> it just says fill bars here. Yeah. <laughs> Prestige. Uh, yeah. Three word reviews then from Twitter. Nick O'Neill says, trying too hard. Uh, Snaky David says, COD's haunting antithesis. Wanyao needs better gameplay. Todinho says, worth the effort. Necky Manta says, sand gets everywhere. <laughs> Mark Markatansky. Uh, <laughs> dumber than expected. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Dumber than expected. Does that mean that he'd been sort of primed for this... Yeah, it sounds like it. For this interesting experience, and then he found it wasn't quite as didn't live up to expectations. Rather, I think I think it could have done things better. Um, And if you go in there thinking that this is going to blow your mind, yeah, then you probably will be disappointed with it. But if you go in into this thinking, Mm. "Ah, it's another military shooter, let's shoot things, then I think it's more of a surprise and a lot more interesting. For sure, Wee Man Ando says best shooter story. Furier says, try before Dubai. That's, oh, come on. That's, that's Ban him from that's his, the forum. That's his best pun yet, David. <laughs> you should you should hear some of the other ones he's come out with. That's awesome. All right, then. Uh, let's wrap up uh, your overall experience with the game. And would you recommend people seek it out? Tony Atkins. Uh, as you may have noticed, I'm a little bit more critical than, than the other guys here. And I... I Listening to all the you know the things you can do and and what the story is trying to achieve, I still stand by what, what I I came on this podcast to say, which is I don't entirely believe that the gameplay um, was as generic as it was purely because it was a commentary on um, you know gamers as a whole and the, the story you know led into that. I just think it was a generic game with a, a story that's been added on top of it uh, with you know one or two scenes added for good measure to to sell that story. And on top of that, I don't really think it's a case of it's Apocalypse Now or The Heart of Darkness. It, to me, it feels more like a, a platoon or a Hamburger Hill. Like there's there's aspects there, there's scenes in there which are you know are, are, you know emotional and you know make you think. But I'm not sat by the end of it thinking, "Oh, oh my God, I've gone on a, an emotional roller coaster and I, I've changed my my thought patterns on how I sit and play the latest third person or first person shooter." So I I think you know Yaga to me or Jaeger needs to be applauded for trying something different but I think unfortunately they they missed the mark and you know it it was an experience I was like well I'm I'm glad this exists at the same time there's another game out there that will do this so much better and I think there's moments in games that do a lot more than what this this ultimately does as a whole piece but they're just you know separated across many titles so not Brilliant to me, but yeah, you know, uh, an interesting experience. Joshua Garrity. I don't love Spec Ops: The Line, but I do have an awful lot of respect for it as a game. Um, there are things that I think it handles poorly, um, and I, Tony, might be surprised to hear that I don't necessarily disagree with some of the criticisms he has. Um, I do feel uh, slightly more positively about the game than he does. But still, I acknowledge this game has problems. I, I'm just... There needs to be more games like this that are willing to, you know, point the finger at the gamer and say, look, look at what you're doing. 
you're not even thinking about what you're doing you're just doing it automatically because you've been programmed to do it um just that kind of commentary on game design and the way games are made i think that needs to happen more in video games because it's happened in all other art forms why why can't we take part as well um and i just kind of hope like I just kind of hope that other designers look at this game and think, okay, let's try and do something like this, but much better, to a much higher standard, um, to a point where, you know, we can hold it up as, uh, you know, uh, as the best of this medium, the same way Apocalypse Now is considered one of the best films ever made. So, yeah, I I like Spec Ops The Line, but I respect it more than I it really enjoyed the game. I suppose one area in which the game doesn't quite work for me is in that because I am a woolly lefty pacifist, every military game I play, I feel bad when I shoot people. Um, I don't need the game to tell me that it's bad, war is bad, shooting people is bad, because that's how I feel all the time. And genuinely, even playing um, Battlefield 3, as much as I love squatting up with mates and playing that online... Although, you know, in the moment I'm celebrating shooting that other person, knowing it's just another person with a controller and it's not real war. I'm I'm constantly la- nagged by my sort of uh, liberal guardian upbringing saying, you know, this is bad. This is military stuff. You know, why don't you go and play something nice? Or So in a way, uh, Spec Ops is uh, the line is preaching to the choir with me. Um, but I did go in, it, despite uh, David and Josh and other people uh, telling me it was going to be interesting, I still went in with relatively low expectations because I don't trust those guys at all. No, because um, because it just, although they'd said those things, I still looked at the box and I still, I, I hadn't listened to the to the developers talking. I hadn't seen those uh, episodes of uh, Daniel Floyd on, on Penny Arcade. Um so I still wasn't expecting that much and I am, I think I'm narratively quite naive, so I am always a sucker for a Twilight Zone type twist to a story even though, you know, as I get older and I've been exposed to more such tales, I am I, you know, I spot some of them coming um, the game looks good, I think it plays fine um, it is heavy handed at points it does hector a little bit um, but it's really well implemented by and large, uh, it looks great so the use of music is fantastic um, and I'm just you know it's it just won me over by having good intentions and challenging conventions um, and so I do recommend that you seek it out and play it that's a great back of the box question. I know and I and I, I genuinely ad-lib that as well I'm so cool <laughs> David um, I would say I, 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 I'd be very selective uh, to who I would recommend this to I'd only recommend it to someone I I know that was going to finish it that I I know um, is looking is is going to pick up on the the, you know the little nods towards other games and you know this isn't the sort of game that I'm going to lend to my brother or a bloke at work it's the sort of game (laughs) what's your brother like uh, my brother, he's a complete prick. Um, I know, uh, I, I, it's just that he's he doesn't play. He's not a massive gamer, so I can't really see him sure. s- sort of picking up on some of the points that he's trying to make. Um, what I, who I would recommend this to is anyone that like, like um, sees this uh, medium as more of a hobby. You know, so anyone listening to this, for example, 
um, anyone uh, you know that listens to any gaming podcast, I think should absolutely give it a go uh, because I think it's got a lot to say. Um, yeah, so I would recommend it, but only to certain people. <laughs> yeah, and I, I pretty much stand. I I agree with that as well. It's it's the one that I I wouldn't say don't play because it, it's yeah it is interesting, but I just a lot of the times I think the mechanics actually. Who said it? I think it dilutes the overall experience that I had, but it maybe I, I just wasn't invested enough in, and made the you know the nicer choices rather than the harder choices. So I didn't have that experience to go into the darkness. Who knows? Beautiful. You can play along with us at Cana Rinse uh, throughout Volume Two of this podcast. Heading into the summer, or at least up until May, we've got Crisis and Crisis Two. Uh, with a spot of Crisis Warhead in there as well. I understand that's a substantial thing that goes in the middle. Then Bioshock. A lot of people are getting free Bioshocks as pre-order bonuses from game for pre-ordering Bioshock Infinity. So if you want to play along that one... If you haven't played Bioshock yet, I mean, Christ, play it. Uh, What are you doing? What are you doing? (laughs) Streets of Rage Trilogy, or Bare Knuckle if you're Japanese. Uh, Starcraft 2, Wings of Liberty, you all set for that, Josh? Your hosting debut? Or well, you will be all set, won't you? Yeah, yeah, I, I will be. Yeah. Nice one. Uh, I Am Alive, another game with a protracted development uh, that, and a game that involves dust and sand. Bioshock 2, Minerva's Den, the Animal Crossing series, Grand Theft Auto 4 and episodes from Liberty City are just in time for... Oh, wait, they've put GTA 5 back, so... Thanks. Thanks, Rockstar. Uh, Dark Souls, the most requested of all Kane and Rince podcasts, finally coming your way in April. Uh, Metro 2033 may or may not tie in with Last Light. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thanks, industry. And XCOM Enemy Unknown. You can find the full upcoming schedule of podcasts on the blog at canerince.com. You can also find things like articles and quick rinse videos. You can also find those videos on the Canerince YouTube channel. You can follow us on Twitter at Canerince. We have a Facebook page, which is called Canerince. As ever, we are hugely grateful for your support via iTunes. Uh, those subscriptions, reviews and ratings are tremendously welcome. Also, check out the Canerince periodical, the e-book i-book even it's an e-book it's an i-book uh, that's a cool thing and you can join the community have your say join in on the forum at canerince.com slash forum uh, we have a copy of spec ops the line for xbox 360 to give away tony oh you totally should have given away that at the beginning because <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you can win a game that we've completely just ruined for you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I, you know, if you've already played this game, then you know it's then probably don't enter the competition. But if you've listened to this show and you've got all the way to the end and it, you've been interested by what we've said and we've spoiled it for you in many regards, but it's still worth a play, then we have a game to give away. This is actually donated by uh, a member of the community called uh, Widget, or his real name is Paul Echoes. Uh, he completed cool the game. Yeah, he um, he lent me the game. Um, I eventually then brought it on PC, so I didn't get round to playing it. So I said, "Do you want your game back?" He said, "No, give it away on the podcast." So, uh, if for your reward for getting to the end of the show, you have the chance of actually winning this game, um, we're not even going to make it very hard for you. All you need to do is post in the forum post that will go up with this episode that 
goes up on the forum just need to pop into there into the volume 2 area you'll see spec ops the line uh, just post something in there and then you'll be in a chance of winning the game just put maybe at the end of your post I'd like to win yeah spec we'll ops. draw you out of a, uh, of a of a virtual hat of some of kind hundreds and hundreds no of doubt people, these I'm competitions sure. always get so we always get <laughs> snowed under with entries for podcast competitions um, but yes, it's a free game, and uh, it's a rather an interesting one. As you heard, uh, you'll need to sign up for the forum. You see, that's our little, that's our little ruse. That's the little thing. Yeah. Before we go, uh, we'd like to offer our sincere congratulations to Kana Rint's community member Richard Underwood, also known as Mr. Ting. Uh, he, thanks to his excellent YouTube videos, was invited to become a Machinima partner. I don't know exactly what that means, but I know it's really cool. Um, and it means that he gets like machinima livery on his videos and stuff. More people, see Mo- your a videos. lot more people see your videos. <laughs> uh, he also hosts the excellent Kana Rinse Minecraft server, which uh, I've I've not been there, um, but I've seen pictures of it, and it's gobsmackingly awesome. I've heard tell of great. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Mr. Ting Richard put out a really uh, ge- genuinely um, <laughs> sweet video, which I got a little choked up at. Uh, saying th- nice things about us, um, and I didn't realise like how uh, it, you know, the esteem that he held uh, the Canerince thing in. So that was really touching. And uh, but yeah, yeah, you deserve it, mate. So uh, big on you and stuff. That doesn't even mean anything. Big on you. Big on you. I don't know what that means. <clears throat> oh come on, Granddad. <laughs> good, good on you. Well done. Now we're off the script. It's well done. On the pop. So it just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank Tony Josh and David Turner. Thanks for coming back. Uh, your first one since Left for Dead, I think. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for inviting me. Well, we'll uh, be sure to keep in touch and find out uh, if there's something else you'd like to join us yeah, for. Yeah, no. I've, if, they, if you're ever doing a Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball Kalen Rinse, I'm there. It could happen. Oh, Dead or Alive franchise. <laughs> 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 could happen. Uh, so you can find David uh, on Joypod at spong.com uh, apologies for the possible deterioration of David's audio quality in the yeah. second half of this podcast but his his headset uh, went exploded went uh, I, I don't know what happened there but my headset's exploded so now I've, I've got to buy a new headset which I always hate putting any money towards Joypod because it's not worth it no but, nobody uh, else does I suppose I've got, no <laughs> <laughs> got no choice now so thanks Kane and yeah well so if you'd like to send David a mic yeah, uh, a snowball if preferable. Yeah, yeah. Send me a snowball. Uh, PM me on uh, Twitter <laughs> at David Turner's. <laughs> That's disgusting. That is awful. Uh, Doritos and <laughs> Mountain Dew, my way, please. Uh, I'll send you a postcard like Idle Thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, thanks for your time, and we're sorry about the headset, David. In the meantime, hopefully, here's some Martha and the Vandellas or something like that. Goodbye. <laughs>